0: If you want to take your Bible out and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 9, that's where we're going to camp out this morning. We mentioned uh, the end of this story a few weeks ago. We looked at the end of this passage and I said that, 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 that before our summer series through the book of Acts was over, that I wanted to come back and talk about the conversion of Paul. I wanted to come back and talk about the conversion of Paul because I think um, it's an incredible story in the book of Acts um, that's essential, I think, to... To hope, kind of like we already talked about this morning, in life change. Um, so here's how we're going to set this up. Have you ever wondered, have you ever sat around a circle, maybe a campfire, a group of people, and, 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 and thought, this, if I won the lottery, then blank. Anybody ever thought that? Anybody ever had those conversations? Okay, great, great. Thank you for your honesty this morning. I've had that conversation a few times, right? If, if I won the, won the lottery, right, if I won the lottery, I don't even play the lottery really, um, but if I did and, and if I won, then I would blank. So what are some of the things you would do? If you won the lottery, you would quit your job. Mary Lou, what'd you say? Okay, tithe, tithe on the lottery, thank you. We would love that. We would love that. Yeah, somebody else, what are some other things? buy your house back, pay off bills, bills. travel, Travel. man, yes, travel, (laughs) give to the church, yeah, one or two more, yeah, yeah. set Set your mother up, yeah, take care of family, right, take care of family, one more, one more, one more, yes, volunteer, right, not only quit your job, but volunteer your time more, okay, okay, Uh, I heard one more, Bless others, bless others, right? All these things that we would do if we won the lottery there 's that TV show out there right now. Um, I won the lottery, and then they helped them find their dream home and all of that and Kristen and I've watched that a couple of times it 's kind of fascinating to see uh, what happens. But the history of lottery winners reads more like a nightmare than a fairy tale. The history of lottery winners reads more like a nightmare than a fairy tale. Let me, let me read this story to you a few years ago. Uh, William Bud Post won 16.2 million dollars in the Pennsylvania Lottery. He now lives on social security. He says, "I wish it never happened. It was totally a nightmare. A former girlfriend successfully sued him for a share of his winnings. A brother was arrested for hiring a hitman to kill him in order to inherit a share of the loot. Other siblings pestered him until he agreed to invest in a car business and a restaurant in Sarasota, Florida, two ventures that failed and further strained his relationships with the siblings. Post even spent time in jail for firing a gun over the head of a bill collector. Within a year, within a year from winning the lottery, he was a million dollars in debt. Post admitted that he was both careless and foolish, trying to please his family. He eventually declared bankruptcy. Now he lives quietly on $450 a month in food stamps. I'm tired. I'm over 65 years old, and I just had a serious operation for a heart aneurysm. Lotteries don't mean blank to me, says Post. Lotteries read more like a nightmare than a fairy tale when we really think about it. And I know that we're probably sitting here this morning. You're probably sitting here and have the same reaction I did. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't be that careless, right? That wouldn't happen to me. There's no way that I would allow that to happen to me. I've got financial peace under my belt. I've got a Jan in my life that can help me process all of this and handle this in a much different way than this guy. The only thing worse than not getting what you want in life is getting what you want only to find that it isn't really what you wanted. The only thing worse than not getting what you want in life is getting what you want only to realize that it's not what you really wanted. There's still something missing. You're still hungry, you know. um, uh, It's it's kind of hard for me to. Uh, to, to bring this guy up because in some circles, I give him a really hard time. But I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the big man in basketball, Tim Duncan. Anybody ever heard of Tim Duncan? Okay, yeah. Tim Duncan won a few national cha- uh, world championships, NBA championships, and all of that, MVPs and different things. Um, he, he, he was a big guy. and it, The only thing I have against him is he went to the wrong school. He went to Wake Forest University, and he should have gone to North Carolina University, but you know, maybe in time, in a few more years, I'll be able to put that beside, uh, b- beside of things. But he was interviewed one time, and as as many players, you, you hear this story, you hear this sad story from many MVPs, from many champions, and all of that, that have won all these different things. I think it's even reported that Tom Brady has said something similar. He said, I've done all these things, I've done all these things, I've won all these things, but there's still something missing. There's still something missing. He's worked his entire life to get this championship. He's worked his entire life to achieve all that he's achieved, and yet he's still hungry. There's still something missing. But is there any hope to find that satisfaction in this life on this side of heaven? Where do we turn when, when everything we've always wanted just isn't enough and there's this need for more god who reveals himself to us in the bible wants us to have a personal relationship with him more than that he wants to have a personal relationship with us and he is the only true source of satisfaction which that raises the question how can an infinite holy god have a relationship with his flawed and finite creatures well that's the gospel That's the gospel of Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus, that God came down from heaven. He stepped out of heaven in the person of His Son, Jesus. He is the primary means by which we come to know, love and enjoy God. And the only way we can have access to God, any access to God, any sight of God, any knowledge of God, is in and through the God-man, Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to look at Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 19 together. The story of Saul, the story of Saul giving his life to Jesus. And so I want to read through this whole story and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it and how it relates to us, how we can find satisfaction. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So they led him by the uh, the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call in your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, taking the food, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And so we read... This story of what is Paul, but here he's called Saul, later he's renamed Paul to signify the change that had happened within him. And there's four things I want to point out to you from this, from this story, from this passage that we read here in Acts chapter 9. The first is this, no one, everybody say no one. No, no one, good, good. Man, it's good to be back. Man, it's good to be back. No one is too far from God. No one is too far from God. No one is too far from God. If we go back to the beginning of the story, we see that, that, that Saul, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, being Jesus, the way of Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So what was Saul's profession? Saul's profession was persecuting Christians. That's what he did. That's what he did best. so much so that when Ananias um, um, uh, was meeting with God and God was trying to get Ananias to go and and, and meet Saul to pray over him and to lead him uh, uh, to the Lord and all of that, um, so much so that Ananias had heard of this man's reputation and feared I mean Ananias replied much like most of us would, if not all of us would. Hey, hey, God, have you not heard about this guy? Let me let me educate you about this guy. He's persecuted Christians. He's gotten letters from the high priest saying that that, that anyone that follows you, um, he, he can bring them bound up. Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners. The reality is that no one is too far from God. I talk to people all the time, you may have heard this before, but I, but I I talk to people all the time that feel like, you know what? I would give my life to the Lord. One day that's going to happen, you know, but, but 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 there's just so many things I have to clean up first. There's so many things I have to stop doing first. There's so many things. Like, Pastor, you just don't understand everything I'm involved in. You don't understand my past. You don't understand everything that that I've done, everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm involved in right now. There's just some things that I've got to, to clean up. There's some things that I've got to let go of. There's some things that I've got to stop doing before I can come to the Lord. And a few years ago, it hit me. That when i 'm ready on a Saturday or some sometime to get my car washed i don 't wash it at home in my driveway and then take it over to scrub it up right I mean, if you do, then we need to have a serious conversation, like not this week but next week, we need to set up a counseling meeting, and we need, we need to talk about some some, um, issues, right? But that's not what we do, right? We, we, we take it straight to Scrub-It-Up, or we take it over to a friend's house named Kyle, and he washes it for us, right? No? Okay, very good. Um, just thought I'd ask. His, his sons are like, yes, yes, we'll do that. That sounds fun, Daddy. Um, but we, we don't, we don't clean ourselves up right before we go to the car wash we don't clean our cars up before we go to the car wash in the, same way, in the same way God doesn't expect us to come to Him clean I mean God knows us better than we know ourselves God knows us better than anyone in your life knows you He doesn't expect that what God wants, what God desires is a real relationship with us where we can bring all of our brokenness to Him He's God he can handle it and he loves us so much to love us in our brokenness so much so that he says while we were yet sinners while we were yet far from him he sent his son to die for us." god knew what he was getting god knew what he was getting when he sent jesus to this earth god knew what he was getting and there's no one too far from god there's no one too far from god God even says, I've got to show Paul how much he must suffer for my sake, how much he must suffer for my name. So the first thing I want you to, to, to grab onto this morning from the life of Paul, from the message of Paul, is that no one's too far from God. Number two, I want you to recognize that God's working in your life. I want you to recognize God's working in your life. A couple months ago, when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, we said this, that evangelism Evangelism, anybody remember it? evangelism is joining God in the conversations that he's already having with people. Evangelism is joining God in the conversations he's already having with people because God in his sovereignty is already trying to meet with people where they are. And evangelism is just joining God in the conversations that he's already having with people. Um, on, on Thursday, on Thursday, you guys ready for this? And I'm not saying this for a pat on the back. I'm saying this as a, as a, as a point in joining God in the conversations he's already having with people. On Thursday, I had counseling appointments at 1.30, 2, 2.30, 3.30, and 4.30. Thursday afternoon, that's what my Thursday afternoon looked like. 1.30, 2.00, 3 30, and 4.30. And as I sat across from people and, and, and listened to them, there was one conversation, the 4.30 meeting um, that, that I had, at 4.30, at 5.37, um, they said, you know what, we should probably stop talking so that you can respond. They had literally talked, and, 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 and uh, Kristen doesn't like when I use this word, but she's not here this morning, so blessed are you to hear this. They vomited out for 67 minutes. Vomited out information after information, story after story that they were dealing with and the brokenness that they were dealing with. But you know what I heard at the end? Because here was my question after 67 minutes. What do you feel like God is telling you in response to all of this? What do you feel like God is telling you in response to all this? That's, that's, that's all I asked. And you know what, they went on for another 15, 20 minutes all that they felt like God was already telling them in that situation. Because God's already talking to them, to them about it. God's already dealing with them about it. See, see, God's already at work within people's lives. God's already at work in your life. God's already at work in your coworker's life. God is moving behind the scenes and 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 we're just a piece of the puzzle that he wants to use to point the, to point ourselves and everybody that we come in contact with back to him. If you look at verse 5 through 9, he says he says and he said, who are you, Lord? Notice that Paul notice that Paul knew who was talking to him. He says, who are you, Lord? He uses that word, Lord. And, and he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. God's working in Paul's life. Then the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and all those eyes were open. He saw nothing, so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Not only do we see from this story that no one's too far from God, but number two, we see that God's already at work in people. God's already at work. God's working behind the scenes for His good and for His Glory Number three, the third thing I want you to recognize from this story, from this passage, is that there's a required, you ready? Here's where I lose you. There's a required obedience. There's a required obedience. I got to spend time the last couple weeks with, with um, hands down one of the greatest men I, I've ever known. His name's Doc, okay? He was one of the ones with a Superman shirt on. And I know what you're saying. Everybody had a Superman shirt on. You know why? Because it was Superhero Week. It was Superhero Week, right? And, uh, and, but, but Doc, um, Doc would, would, would get up every morning with me, and we would go down to the lake, and we would jog, or we would do this, or we would do that. And, uh, and, and Doc was talking to me one day, um, and, and we were talking about how... Uh, um, you know, getting in, just, just getting in shape and doing different things and, and, and his life. He's over 60 years old, and he's coming up to Maine, actually, in about a week and a half to run the Half air Ironman down in Old Orchard Beach. So he's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, okay? Um, but, but, but Doc was, was talking to me, and he says, listen, he says, he says, when you're exercising, it's a get-to, it's never a got-to. It's a get-to, it's never a got-to. And so one night he texted me at about 11 o'clock after we did curfew check and all of that. Darn teenagers and their curfew check. But anyway, um, breaking curfew. And, uh, and, and, and we, he texted me and he's like, he's like hey, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning for a, for a run. And I said... You mean I get to do that with you? And, he's, and he just texted back, ha ha. The next morning um, at 5.55, he said, Sorry, it was a rollover kind of morning. I'm not going to get to run with you. So I went out and ran by myself. The point I'm trying to make is it's a get to, it's, it's not a got to. When it comes to God, when it comes to obedience to God and, and, and the story that we see here, it's a get to. It's not a got to. See, where we go wrong in the church is that we, we, we put this list, we put this checklist mentality of things with Christianity. You know, I've got to use these words. I've got to listen to this music. I've got to watch these types of movies. I've got to talk this way. I've got to vote this way. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we make it this list of got-tos. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is a list of get-tos. The gospel is a list of get-tos. I get to live with a hope that those that don't know Christ don't get to live with. Man, I get to join with people on Sunday mornings and do this to get to. I get to. I get to give back to God what, out of out of what He's given to me. I get to be generous. I get to. I get to. I get to. You get where I'm going. And so this obedience that we see here in Ananias and in Saul even in going, in his obedience and going, look at verses 17 through 19. He says, so Ananias departed, even though he didn't want to. I want you to see that. Even though he didn't necessarily want to, he had reservations. He even laid those out to God. It wasn't like, okay, God, yep, I'm there. Ananias said, okay, God, let me just make sure I hear you right because I think you might be in a dead zone. I think you might be breaking up a little bit. I'm only getting like every other word. I think I heard you say that you want me to go to Ananias' house because there's this guy named Saul there, and he's waiting for me to pray over him because you've met with him. Do you know who Saul is? But then but then he departed. He went there. He went there. So Ananias departed. Excuse me, house of Judas. It was Ananias that was going. Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately God did the work. Saul's obedience that he went Right? He went. He was led. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. There was a required obedience. There was a required obedience. Russ tells the story of sitting at a conference and listening to this lady who was out on a balcony on the west coast early one morning. Early one morning. She was was out on the balcony having her quiet time. And she noticed, it was about 4.30 in the morning, and she noticed that There was already activity happening on the beach. Some of you have heard this story. There was already activity happening on the beach. And and as she looked a little bit closer, as she was praying, as she was reading her Bible, and just, just couldn't help but notice all this activity happening on the beach, she looked a little closer, it was surfers. Surfers out at 4.30 in the morning, no doubt getting a couple waves in, right? Is that what you call them? Waves, runs, I don't know. Getting a couple, I, that's one thing that this body wasn't created to do, and that's surf, okay? So I've never been surfing. Um, boogie boarding I love because you just have to lay down, right? You don't have to try to stand up on the... Anyway, there's one man that walked on... Well, one, two men that really walked on water. and I'm neither one of them, so I don't try to surf. Um, but she said she had this thought... I bet, no one, I bet no one has ever called those surfers legalistic. I bet no one has ever called those surfers legalistic. For getting up at 4.30 in the morning. For doing all the preparations that it takes to be a surfer. And yet, and yet when we look at obedience, when we look at, you know, when we talk to each other about quiet time, we talk to each other about you know, living a certain way, when it's a got to, it's called legalistic. When it's a get to, it's called worship. When it's a got to, it's legalistic. Sunday mornings, dress codes, this, that. When it's a got to, it's legalistic. When it's a get to, it's called worship. So, no one's too far from God. Recognize God's working in your life. There's a required obedience. And then I want you to notice this. Look at verse 15. He says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. This relationship that God wanted to have with Saul, this relationship that God wanted to have with Saul, that he went through great lengths to have with Saul. Met him on the road to Damascus, talked to Ananias, Judas' house was involved. God went through great lengths to get Saul's attention here to have a relationship with Saul. Why? Because God had a purpose for his life. God has a God had a purpose for his life. I've got to use him to reach the Gentiles. I've got to use him to do the things that I've called and that I've laid out for him to do. I've got a purpose for him. See, it wasn't just a relationship. It was a relationship with a purpose. It was a relationship for a purpose. God had a plan for his life. See, so many of us, so many of us, live in this get in, live in this "got to" relationship that we're not living for the eternal. You remember I, I shared about a month ago um, that I was having a conversation with my mentor about just priorities and focus and how do you how do you how do you block so many things out that you just feel like are so necessary and so um, um, essential to do even though they're not. And He said to me, he said, there's two things that last forever. Remember what they are? Your soul and the Word of God. And he said, why in the world do we invest so much of our time in things that are outside of those two things? Two things that last forever, your soul and the Word of God. What God was trying to get Saul here to recognize is that he wasn't going to live for himself anymore. He was going to live for the eternal. He was going to be in a relationship with God on purpose, for a purpose. No one's too far from God. Recognize God's working in your life. There's a required obedience, a relationship for a purpose. And then I want you to see The blessed struggle. Verse 16, For I will show him, we've already mentioned it, but I want to to come back to it. Verse 16, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I must show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. The blessed struggle. See, A relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus isn't isn't all rainbows and unicorns. And yet I think for a long time we gave this this thing, hey, just come to Jesus and everything's going to fall into place. You'll win the lottery. You'll get a new car. You'll be debt free. You'll do all these things. Just meet Dave Ramsey. He'll tell you. It's the second Dave Ramsey reference. I love Dave Ramsey. Live like no one else so that one day you can live like no one else. Right, very good. Okay, very good. But sometimes, sometimes, God calls us to a struggle. Like, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. There are times, there are times in in my life, I'm sure there are times in your life, in your Christian life, where maybe you've gone through a difficult difficult time with someone, you've gone through, you've been involved in a difficult relationship, or this or that, and someone's, you know, stabbed you in the back. I know that never happens in the church, but, but you know, outside the four walls, maybe somebody stabbed you in the back as a Christian, and and and, uh, and 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 what's our response? What's our response? I mean, many of many of us would respond, well, I got to stab back, right? But what does Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. Take the high road. See, the the blessed struggle sometimes for us is that we lay our wants, our thoughts, our getting even, this, that aside for the glory of God. You know why? You know why I think it's a blessed struggle? You know why I think that we struggle with this type of relationship with thinking about it with processing this because when it it comes down to it the relationship with God it's not about you it's not about me it's about the glory of God it's not about you it's not about me it's about bringing God glory See, that's what God was preparing Saul for through Ananias, was, was he was saying, listen, listen, you've you got to tell him, you've got to recognize that Paul is going to no longer live for himself, that once he encounters me, he is living for me for the rest of his life. Once he encounters me, he's living for me the rest of his life. Is it okay if I get a little vulnerable with you, a little personal this morning, share one more story with you? Sunday night, um, I I saw one head nod. That's enough for me. Um, Sunday night, um, we had done a whole day of training we had a whole, done a whole day of training with all these short term missionaries getting them ready for week two of family retreat and I'd already done this once and so you can imagine how enthusiastic I was to sit through training for a whole other day um, with, a, with a whole new set of short term missionaries so it got to the end of the day and, uh, and I was wiped, Ray I was just wiped and, and, and I didn't, um, and believe it or not this does happen to pastors from time to time I just did not want to people anymore okay, just did not want to people anymore, I wanted to stay in my room, you know, maybe play a game with the kids, put my feet up for a little bit, and prep, you know, the messages that that that, that were coming um, this this past week, I just didn't want to people anymore, but everybody was peopling still, everybody was going to be over in this one little room, and they were going to be peopling, and it was going to be great, and they were going to be making signs for all the families, and so I was the retreat pastor, and there was this kind of this unwritten expectation um, that the retreat pastor should be there, see, the That unwritten expectation just isn't in the church. It's kind of everywhere. It follows me wherever I go. There was this unwritten expectation that I should have been there. And so, you know, Kristen's like, are we going to go? Are we going to go people? And I'm like, yeah, let's go people. And I said, but listen, listen, there's the signal. See, y'all, y'all, I'm letting y'all. I'm really letting y'all in to some things. Kristen and I have this signal that when we're when we're ready to not, you know, when we're ready to go. We've got this signal. I can't show you the signal because I don't want you to be offended one day if you see the signal and you're you're the one in conversation with me. So just just know that there, there's there's signal. And so I made sure, you know, we got the signal right. So you know, let's go for about 15 minutes and 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 let's people for a little bit. And then when one of us gives the signal, we're out of there. We're out of there, we've peopled, we can check that box, we've high-fived everybody, you know, saw me, I was present, you know, yada, yada, yada. So we walk, we're walking over there, walking over there, and I'm kind of doing the circle of the room. And I'm high-fiving, oh, it's great to see you, man, glad you're here, looking forward to a great week, let's get together, you know, all this stuff. You know, how, how are things in Maine? Terrible. You know, I'm just kidding, no, I didn't say that. You know, how are things in Maine? How'd that church merger go? All these different things, right? And just, just Just talking and catching up. And I walked over to one guy. He was sitting on the couch, he was in conversation with someone else. I walked over to him and I said, hey man, how you doing? And he stood up and he hugged me and he started bawling his eyes out. And I thought, oh great. I looked at Kristen, I said, the signal thing's out. I'm here. And he began to tell me the story of his son's girlfriend she was in a car accident on June 27th and is still in a coma and hasn't woken up. And he is heartbroken. And so I pulled a couple other guys and we went back into this prayer room that was just off the big room that we were in and for the next 30 minutes, man, we just prayed over this guy and we all wept and we all, man, it was just, it was a beautiful God moment. And I got to thinking, after that, just another reminder of who's really in control. Who's really in control? In the moments when I want it the least, God wants to use me the most. And I believe the same for you. In the moments where where we see it the least, where we feel it the least, God wants to use you the most. God wants to use you the most. Second Timothy chapter four, verses six through eight, talk about the reward for this life. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing." Paul tells Timothy towards the end of his second letter to him, I've kept the faith. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Therefore, this hope. It's kind of the theme of the day, isn't it? This hope is coming true. The Lord, there's there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved His appearing. See, here's the truth about knowing God personally. God loved. God gave. Our response is to believe and to receive His love for us. See, my question for you this morning is very simple. We've talked about this relationship where no one is too far from God, where God's already working in people's life. There's this there's this obedience, but it's a, it's a get to, it's not a got to. And this relationship is on purpose and for a purpose, and it is a blessed struggle. It's not all perfect. But there's a reward. My question for you this morning is very simple. Where are you in this relationship? Where are you in this relationship? I think it's perfect. I preached another message on Friday morning, but I talked about intimacy with God. Because, you know, I think so many people fall into the trap of going to camps like this. I'm about to go to another camp like this. And so many people fall into the trap of being intimate with God while they're away. Right? Being intimate with God while you're away. I mean it is so easy, isn't it? It is so easy when you're on vacation, when you're up at camp, when the phone's off, when the when the family sleeps in a little bit longer. Man, it is so much easier in those moments to be intimate with God. So much easier. And I talked about on Friday, I said, you know, what would it look like if I pulled off of this campus in just a little bit? Pulled off of this campus and looked over at Kristen and said, Honey, that was a great week. Great week. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the extra time with you. And the kids, getting to go down the the zip line with Micah was a really come to Jesus experience for me, you know, just really, just really feel like we had a great time, the food was um, decent, and you know, all that, it was great, it was great, it was great, I'll see you next year. Let's go back to the way it was. You know, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll go side by side, but I'll I'll see you you next year. Let's not really, you know, let's not really have conversation. Let's just kind of make it by. Let's scrape it by. I'll see you next year. And as I said to the camp Friday morning, that's what so many of us do with God. Maybe it's not year to year with a camp. Maybe it's Sunday to Sunday. Walk out of church. Oh, God, the music was so nice this morning. The message was okay. The, this, the, that. It was nice to see this person. It was nice to see that person back. I can't believe, I can't believe that that person wore that to church. But, but anyway, God, that's not the point. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place that's not intimacy with God but yet so many of us that's the extent of our relationship with Him can, can I tell you encourage you challenge you that there's so much more available to us than that and man it's good and it's awesome It doesn't always feel great, it doesn't always feel awesome, but at the end of it, there's a reward, and it's sweet, and it's beautiful. And God wants it for you, I pray for it for you, we pray for it for you. Where are you in that relationship? And can I encourage you, no one's too far from God. Can I encourage you that God's already working. He's already given, He's already done. Would you receive, would you receive His blessing daily, moment by moment, in that relationship with Him? Pray with me. God, I thank You for what You did in the life of Paul. I thank You that we get to have a look into this relationship and be encouraged by it, be challenged by it, be blessed by it. God, I pray for anyone in this room that just needs to be challenged or encouraged in that relationship with You, God, that You would meet us where we are. God, I believe You specialize in that. God, I believe that You... We're already doing a work, that even before we came this morning, that some of us were probably wrestling with where we were with you. Because God, so, mon- so many times, this can just become maintenance. This can become the next thing. This can become what we do. God, I pray that for a relationship that's more than that. God, I pray if our relationships turned to got to, that it would go back to get to. God, I pray for what... that that we would be open and receptive to whatever it is that You want to say to us this morning. From the message, from the music that's already happened, God, I pray that You'd touch our hearts and that You would draw us back to Yourself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.